Welcome to Holy Cow, the Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. On this episode, we have Stacy Heaton from Cubs DNA, and we just talk about everything that's going on with the uh, Cubs right now, and a lot of it's not good, but we keep talking, and hopefully we'll figure out something interesting with his team, but yeah, it's a good conversation, and um, without much further ado, here is Stacy. All right, Stacy, welcome to Holy Cow. Glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here. All right, so uh, I haven't done one of these in about a month, and uh, when I last did it, we were singing the praises of Say a Suzuki and hoping maybe the Cubs are off to a better than expected start. And obviously, that has all fallen pretty much by the wayside. Um, but I thought I'd just kick it off. What do we think about the state of the Cubs right now? Well, you know, the, the team really could have, and I kind of thought this before the season, it could go either way. Either they could surprise everyone if things kind of all fell the right way or they could be kind of what everybody expected which was not that good and so unfortunately they've gone the not that good way um you know there's been a lot of injuries there's been a lot of guys that performed last year that are maybe just starting to kind of ramp up like you know we're seeing some good signs from Frank Schwindel and a couple other guys that are you know sort of started off slowly and we are only maybe a month and a half into the season, but um, what I like about this season is we're getting to see some of the younger players that might be instrumental in this team in the next couple of years, like Christopher Morrell and some of those guys. So um, I didn't expect the team to be a world beater this year. So it's kind of what I expected personally. Yeah. I mean, you know, before the season, I, that's kind of like, you know, 75 wins. Unfortunately, it's probably going to be what they'll be. And some people are like, well, you know, they have this, like expanded playoffs. Maybe they get, you know, up to like 84, 85 wins. But I thought 75 was going to be, and they've kind of underperformed that 75 uh, win mark so far. But like you're saying there, it's like a tiny bit of hope because obviously, against lesser opponents, they look a little bit better. So they do. And, you know, we do have some guys that, like I said, have been injured and have been out guys that I think a lot of people expected could really contribute. Obviously, you know, Nico Horner, no, I don't think anybody expected him to get injured running into an umpire. (laughs) Um, And I think, People expected a little bit more from Nick Madrigal. Uh, you know, Clint Frazier had the unfortunate appendicitis issue. That poor guy can't seem to catch a break. No. And he's someone that has a lot of potential and always has had a lot of potential. If he could just get the at-bats, 
So there still is a little bit of hope, I think, if things can start to kind of gel together. We've already seen Wade Miley come in and he missed, you know, the first entire month of the season and he's already been contributing in a really positive way. And he's kind of a cool presence on the team. And so I just need a couple, some guys to get healthy. And I think maybe we might see a little bit better. Who knows? Well, I mean, at this point, what you're really hoping for is to be, I guess, more respectable. You don't want to be, I mean, I guess at some point it's like, if you're not going to make the playoffs, what does it matter exactly where you finish? But you'd still like to see a little bit, like not what we saw about like two weeks ago where it was, really some bad play really some bad play and where you just kind of expected them to lose every day and were happy if they could eke out a win yeah so it's felt a little bit better the last couple of weeks I think the Padres series kind of felt like a little bit of a a turning point in the hope department for me anyway because they finally took a series from a good team Mm -hmm. Um, so that made me feel a little bit better and they've won a couple more series since then, which was kind of nice. I wish we could beat the Pirates <laughs> with a little more uh, frequency and the Diamondbacks, which is a little weird. But, um, you know, it, it, at least there's still the Reds to make the Cubs look better. Yes. I'll say I mean, that. We'll say that right now. I mean, in the, we're uh, recording this. Well, the Cubs are playing the Reds. They are currently winning, but... I don't know if I trust their ability to hold the lead, but we we will find out. We will. Well, at least the bullpen's been a place of relative strength. So mm-hmm. um, they do have we you know, one of the best bullpens in the league. So um, they've been doing their job there. That's been one of the areas where they seem to have hit on something with the pitching mm-hmm. development is they can bring guys in and turn some – coal into diamonds so they've been doing a really good job in that department and this year seems to continue to be trending that way so uh, yeah yeah it's the one thing whenever they are like going to compete again for the playoffs I won't be worried about their ability to put together a bullpen that's the one thing they know they are very good at it very good at it all right so I guess um I'll ask you about a couple things. Um, first of all, Seiya Suzuki. I mean, I think we all expected there'd be some adjustment. You know, he's still doing pretty good, but obviously, needs not gonna do what he did to start the year. So it's almost like what everyone expected him to do out of the gate, he did in reverse order. But that's that. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah. No, I think that. Um... Saya will adjust back. You know, a lot of times you see a, a rookie come in, even from the farm system, and they'll have a hot streak and then they'll kind of fall off a little bit and then they'll have to adjust back. And um, once the league gets a good book on them, you know, they'll start to pitch them accordingly and they just have to make their adjustments. And I think we're kind of already seeing that with him. Mm-hmm. I, he gets damaged so much by, those called third strikes that aren't really strikes. And it's not one of those things that, you know, I'm not somebody to complain about 
umpires if they're really doing their jobs or if they're really making accurate calls. But God, he gets a lot of yes. strikeouts on balls, you know, <laughs> that aren't actual strikes. It's it's maddening. Um, so it's just one of those things that he's either going to have to start swinging at those and protect on that third strike or um, wait for the robo umps, one of the two. But I think that otherwise he's going to be fine. You know, that what we saw from him in those first two, three weeks, um, he'll regress back towards that. I don't think he's going to be that all the time, but um, I think that he'll regress back towards that as he starts to adjust to major league pitching and, and get the, he'll get their book and things will even out a little bit. Yeah. It's going to, you know, can you think about it? It's almost like, that's like when you want, if you want to be patient, a patient hitter, that's like the toll you have to pay. Yeah. You're going to get bad calls. Like if you're a slugger, you know, free swinger, you're probably not going to get frozen on like many borderline calls because you'll be swinging. So if you're going to be like a, you know, patient hitter, it's almost like that's what you have to do. Yeah. And I mean, you know, some guys that have been in the league for years, they get those calls and he's a rookie and he's not been around the league long enough yet to get that call. And so, um, you know, he'll, he'll get there and he'll make his adjustments. I, have every bit of faith in it that he will you can tell that the talent is pretty immense you know and also I think that once baseball figures out what it's going to do with its balls Mm -hmm. you know boy that sounded bad but anyway you know there's so much talk about (laughs) there's so much talk about the balls being inconsistent and some are dead and some are not and you know um that's got to be a little frustrating coming from Japan, and then you've got these weird baseballs that yeah. none of them do the same thing. So, um, how many doubles have we seen them hit just in the last week? Probably that would have would have been home run. Gone out of yeah, would have been gone right um, under normal circumstances. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be worth every penny they're paying him. Plus, yes, and I mean, yeah, that's. Someone, I, you see the headlines like MLB juices balls. And I'm like, maybe you could phrase that differently. <laughs> it's hard to make it sound good any way you say it, but yeah. <laughs> I think we've just been on Twitter too much. I know. <laughs> the whole phrasing thing is not dead. <laughs> That's right. right so I'll move on to, um, obviously, I don't know. If you want to talk about um, Wilson Contreras, because obviously, sure. I mean, all we get, you know, he's doing great, but of course, that looming thing over everything that he's probably going to get traded, mm-hmm. probably going to be before um, the trade deadline this year. And it's just like, it almost is a bummer to talk about him now because you just know that's coming. Yeah, it's so hard with Wilson because I, I go back and forth on it, you know, whether or not the Cubs really should extend Wilson Contreras and try to get a deal done with him. And I think for me, it's, it depends on what that deal looks like, um, you know, because he is 30 years old. So in catcher years, that's not, even not the same as it is for another position player because of the wear and tear it, it takes on their 
joints and their knees and everything. Um, he does get, he comes, he, he seems to come up with a hammy problem every year, you know, and it's a little frustrating and defensively, he had seemed to make some good strides over the last few years, but this year it seems to really have slipped back a little bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, Matt, my colleague over at Cubs DNA was doing some diving on Wilson Contreras versus John Gomes the other day. And he came up with some statistics and no, I can't quote the numbers, but that showed how much better the Cubs pitching staff has done with Gomes behind the plate versus Contreras. And it wasn't a statistically insignificant, you know, the stats weren't insignificant. I mean, it was a pretty good contrast. Um, And so the Cubs pitchers seem to be doing better with Gomes behind the plate. And so, but then, you know, you get Willie's offense, you get the bat and when he's hot, you can't get him out. And the right for the right deal, you know, if the Cubs could get him to take the right deal, you do it. Uh, what is that right deal? I don't know. It's to me, not a JT rail Muto deal. It's not a Yasmani Grandal deal. Um, but maybe if it's a four or a five year deal, maybe you think about that, you know, do I hate to see him go if, they do trade him absolutely. Um, just his attitude, his energy, everything about him. You hate to lose that from the team. Um, and also the Cubs don't exactly have a lot of catching depth yes. in the minor leagues, which is a problem, you know, that the front office is going to have to address if they do choose to move on from Contreras. So um I'm, it's something I'm really conflicted on. And I, I certainly wouldn't come out and stake my flag in one side or the other, because I think that's a, a complicated, yeah. complicated thing. Well, it's too, like, I've been thinking about that too, because I saw those stats. I, I think um, it was, was it Kyle Hendricks? I can't remember the exact picture that they used in this example of like his numbers being way better for um with Gomes and than um Contreras yeah but it is like I don't get what I mean I can't believe it would be all because of framing that doesn't seem like the whole story and I just I wonder is it like like personal relationship is it the calls he makes yeah game calling issue um combination of all of the above yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it just seems very strange that there should be that big of a difference between two catchers, but something is going on. Yeah. There there definitely is something to it. And you know, there and I always thought it was kind of odd, even back to you, Darvish, that Darvish preferred to work with Victor Caratini, you know. Um yeah. why was that? And I know that he has what 10, 11 pitches that he throws. Um, so I, I always found that interesting that he preferred to have Caratini back there versus Contreras and Contreras was the longer tenured catcher in the major leagues. So there is definitely something to that, I think. Um, and I, it's something that the front office has, I'm sh- I, you know, they know a lot more than we do. I always put that, you know, not a GM. Yes. Um, 
they, they I'm sure have yeah they I'm sure they have done a deep dive into all of this and they probably know every statistic and everything with every pitcher and for which catchers do what and are considering all of that and it could be the reason why there hasn't been some sort of deal worked out between the two you know so um that's why they get paid the big bucks and I don't <laughs> all right so I guess I sometimes sometimes like to ask my guests what have you noticed what's something that's been bugging you about the team or something you've enjoyed that you want to draw attention to? Um, well, something that I find really interesting is the different approach that uh, Jed Hoyer has versus what Theo Epstein was doing. And I find that and with just how he's approaching this, and I don't want to use the word rebuild. Um, I don't want to say the Cubs are tanking, people can call it whatever they want to call it, but um, how he's approaching this phase of building up the system versus what Theo did. Um, because it felt like Epstein had this sort of, you know, we'll buy pitching and we'll develop, we'll draft and develop position players. And it didn't work out in a sustainable fashion. We've seen that, you know, they, they couldn't develop homegrown pitching. Um, and even their development of some of the position players didn't work out like we had hoped. And look what happened with Albert Almora and look what happened. Um, and I hate to even bring his name up, but Aston Russell, you know, even though they didn't draft him, they traded for him. Yeah, I was going to say that the entire minor league development system really fell apart, like... 2017, 2018. Yeah. It was bad. It was really bad. And there were just no, there was no star power there at all. Um, and so when your only hope is, is in going out and spending money and you don't have guys to replace the guys that you have, it's, it's kind of, you, you were really looking at the end of the road when the core came up for, their free agency, you know, it was either you resign these guys or you start trading and, and restocking the farm because drafting alone is not going to do it. And I really like the approach that Jed Hoyer and his team were taking. Um, it doesn't mean I liked seeing everybody in the core go. My daughter and I stood in the Cubs parking lot and watched Anthony Rizzo drive away the day that he was traded because we were in Chicago and, um, I held her hand and we sat there and we stood there and we wept and we waved goodbye to him. It was terrible, you know? Um, but there had to be a certain turnover there to jumpstart the farm and starting with the U Darvish trade. I really like what they're doing. Um, and we have all this talent now, you know, they almost have more talent than they're going to be able to use. And, I brought this up on Twitter and a couple of people didn't like it, but it's kind of the Dodgers model. It's, yeah. you know, it, it's, you build up your farm system. Goal. Yeah. You, you build up your farm system. You, you draft a lot of pitching, mm -hmm. uh, you draft a lot of middle infielders and 
then once you develop those guys, you use the ones you can use and you use the rest as trade chips to get the other guys you need. And then you start doling out big contracts to free agents, you know. And unfortunately, with minor leaguers like they are, there's a lot of attrition. Yeah. You get, if you have like 10 great prospects, if three of them become big time players, that's a gigantic hit yeah absolutely absolutely but if they can build up and they're starting to show the ability to develop pitching and it's not just the Dodgers but also the Rays you know the Rays they depend almost completely on trades and um developing their minor league system you know they they don't really pay anybody um and they put a winner out almost every year you know, it's almost perennial now, but if you, if they can really develop pitching, like we're starting to see that maybe they can, um, that's really the first step in developing a sustainable winner is developing that homegrown pitching, you know, yeah, you combine minor league talent with big resources, then you become a sustainable team. Right. Yeah. And then that's the ultimate goal, you know, isn't it? Is to, uh, you know, 10 years from now, you're like the Dodgers where there's only three actual free agents in your, in your starting lineup. And the rest of the team is either homegrown or guys that you traded to get, right. Because that's really their situation right now. Yes. Uh, and that's, that's the goal. You know, you want to be able to continue having trade chips and you want to be able to continue, um, having guys that you can bring up and actually are talent that you developed yourselves. And so, uh, but you can't, they, there was no way the Cubs were going to get there if they re-signed four to five 30 year old players to contract extensions. Yeah. Well, it's really just a matter of honestly that they messed up the minors. So forced them to have to trade to rebuild the miners. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If the miners had been kept in gear and been, you know, rolling, they might have been able to keep a couple yeah. older guys and bring up guys to go around them, but that wasn't possible. No. And some moves that they should have made earlier, you know, not necessarily with those, you know, four or five guys, but some trades they could have made earlier to continue supplementing that system or you know, some ways they could have drafted differently or scouted differently, you know, and they just hindsight's 2020 and we all, you know, we're, it's all kind of obvious now and we can all be presidents of baseball operations in hindsight. (laughs) But when you're in it, it's a lot different, I'm sure. Um, But I like what they're doing now and I like how they're approaching it now. I don't think it's going to take as long as it did for the sort of Epstein regime to get the team back to a winning place. That took what? I don't know. Yeah. About four, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to take quite that long. Um, So, you know, I think it's going to lead to a good sustainable system, Mm -hmm. which is, really the dream 
<laughs> if and, you're a fan um, of the Cubs, that's got to be the dream. And importantly, the Cubs will have absolutely no excuse not to spend money in the next couple years. That is correct. Because they're almost all their contracts are off the books, and they're going to have um, a lot of talent in the minors. There's no excuse for that. Yep. Yep, a couple players. That's right. Only one more year of Jason Hayward after this one. We're, we're almost there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, really, once that Hayward contract is up, it, all the money that they've got left in big contracts is just Stroman and Suzuki. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about it. And so, you know, um, yeah, they'll have all kinds of money to play with. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if they went out and made some sort of big deal um, this winter, you know, to supplement if, I mean, I don't, I'm not really a big fan of Carlos Correa, but if for some reason he rebounds this season and starts putting up some big numbers and he opts out, it wouldn't surprise me to see them try to land him again, you know, um, if they offered him seven years and north of 300 million before, why wouldn't they do it again? Yes. Of course. Um, the so. big thing too is just the, um, the fans are voting with their feet and they're not going to games. Yeah. So if you're going to, they're going to have to do something to build up interest again. Yes. Not next year, then the year after, or they might lose a lot of interest. That, that, that's right. And they're losing season ticket holders. They're losing, like you said, just the regular fans that come to Chicago to go to Wrigley Field. Um, You know, I went last year and I watched the Cubs lose three times in a row to the Reds. Mm -hmm. And while for me, it was a trip with my daughter and it was a, you know, I hadn't been to Wrigley for 20 years and I had a great time. And, um, you know, it, it was more than just going to baseball for me. If you're going to see the Cubs, you'd like for them to at least have a shot at winning the games that you go to. (laughs) And right now that's kind of, you know, not, not great. (laughs) It's one thing for like, like you had been in 20 years. So it was special, but if you want people to go like 10 times a year, it's going to be, hard if your team's really bad yeah yeah unless it's just the diehards that like to go just to go I mean um you know some of our again some of our Cubs DNA folks go just because they love the team and they like the atmosphere you know Tina goes because she likes to go and Mm -hmm. and she goes but not everybody's gonna do that and it clearly not everybody is doing that you know it's a rarity it's a rare year that you look on the broadcast and you see the Wrigley Field half empty. Yes. And most people aren't, um, uh, for lack of a better word, weirdos like us. Right. Right. Yeah. We're the ones that hang on the prospects and track everything. And I mean, you talk to like 90% of Cubs fans, they have no idea who any of these minor leaguers are. No. No. Christopher Moore, who? You know, <laughs> he looks. Well. What's that? So I said, "Who's this guy? He looks fun." It, exactly. 
he's got a lot of energy. What, what, where'd he come from? Mm-hmm. Then you get this whole debate on like, are you into like your bootlicker for management or whatever? If you back like the prospects and stuff, most people have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the, the bootlicker thing is funny. Um, I just want to see these guys succeed and come up to contribute to the club. You know, in a couple of years, they're going to be the team. And I was trying to make a future lineup a few days ago out of the guys that are just completely tearing the cover off the ball in the farm system. And there wasn't space for all of them, you know? And I thought, wow, some of these guys are going to have to either regress or they're going to have to get traded because there's just not room for everybody on the roster. Yes. (laughs) Good problem to have. Especially when the Cubs give Juan Soto that big contract in a couple of years. Of course. Yeah. So. No, it's just, sometimes it's like, I think we over analyze this stuff. And sometimes it's just like, I want everybody to be good. Right. Them to sign good players. Because I want them to draft good players. Right. That's, if you want to yeah. get all like, what's the baseball system? Is it? exploiting people or all that stuff but that's a whole different debate but yeah sometimes sure. it's fun to be a fan yeah for sure and I mean those guys want to succeed too and from my from my perspective you know wouldn't they want us rooting them on and hoping that they succeed and make it to the majors I mean I, those guys are toiling away down there I hope they all succeed and make it mm-hmm. you know they may not all make it with the Cubs. They, some of them might go to a different team, but I hope they all do well. You know, go get your bag, guys, and <laughs> and wind up on a major league roster somewhere. That's what yeah. I hope. All right. Well, I think on that note, I'll let you um, plug Cubs DNA and all the oh. stuff you do online. Yeah, so Cubs DNA, that's our website. It's www.cubsdna.com kind of easy to find and we're just a bunch of fans we don't sell anything there's no ads we don't make any money off it we just write posts once in a while just about what we're thinking about baseball and about the cubs mm-hmm. um it's all for fun you know we're a bunch of professionals really that do other things for a living we don't do baseball stuff for a living but uh, we're big cubs fans and so where we kind of get our thoughts and feelings about the Cubs out when we have them. So um, it's, it's just fun. And we try to be positive. We try to, you know, keep things light and loose. And once in a while, one of us will write something kind of serious. Usually it's me, but um, yeah, it's, it's fun. And we're on Twitter at Cubs DNA. Mm -hmm. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. You Mm -hmm. can find us. There's um, seven of us. (laughs) And if people want to follow you. Uh, I'm at, at Stacy Heaton. Mm -hmm. And you, you'll get some baseball. You might get some stuff about wildfires and stuff. Cause that's my day job is Mm -hmm. to talk about that stuff. But um, yeah, so that's us. All right. And thank you for coming on. And it's always fun to talk some baseball with you and yeah. Thanks for having me, Sean. I appreciate it. Anytime. Yep.
You can follow me on Twitter at STH85. And you can rate and review the podcast on the Apple Podcast app and on Spotify now. So, a couple places. And yeah, if you'd rate and review, that would really help. And this isn't a very good Cubs team, but um, I'm going to try to do a few podcasts and entertain you and get some good guests. So, maybe the Cubs will play better. You never know, but I'm going to be here. So, again, thanks as always for listening.